Welcome back, warriors. Tanse Sego Ani Buju and I'm the host of this show, The Warrior Life. My show is about living a warrior lifestyle that focuses on decolonizing our minds, bodies, and spirits, while at the same time revitalizing our cultures, traditions, and practices. It's also about living, asserting, and defending our sovereignty as nations. But even more importantly, it's about protecting our people. And that has always been our job as warriors, from keeping our children safe, to defending our territories, and keeping our peoples from harm. And that is why today's subject is so important. I want to talk to you about the rise of white nationalism, white supremacy, and other hate groups that are promoting race-based hatred, some of whom also specifically target women. Now, while it's true that these groups have always been here, and they're nothing new, we have to remember that Canada and the U.S. was actually founded on concepts that were related to white supremacy or white nationalism. They weren't just called that back then. And those ideologies led to the mass genocide of native peoples all over Turtle Island. So this concept of white nationalism is not really new. What is new is the different context in which we find it manifesting itself in the growth of radical or extremist fringe groups that promote and act on their hatred, sometimes with lethal violence and sometimes also with guns. And it's the failure of Canada to enact gun laws that would keep things like handguns and military-style weapons, like semi-automatic rifles, for example. They need to keep them out of the hands of hate groups. And their failure to do so should really be a concern to all of us. I know, I know. <laughs> the first thing someone is going to say when they hear this is that, but hey, Canadians have a right to bear arms. But let me just set the facts straight on this right away. Canada is not the United States. Canadians have no constitutional right to bear arms. And the Supreme Court of Canada's majority opinion in the Hasselwander case in 1993 clarified that. And I quote, Canadians, unlike Americans, do not have a constitutional right to bear arms. In fact, the only people in Canada that have constitutionally protected rights related to firearms and ammunition are First Nations. We as First Nations have inherent rights, Aboriginal rights, and treaty rights that are not only protected within First Nation laws, but are also protected within Section 35 of Canada's Constitution. Now, our treaties are different all over the country and not all First Nations have treaties. But some of these historic treaties specifically recognize our rights to hunt, for example, which also includes the right to have and use rifles and ammunition. Some of our treaties even stipulate that the Crown would provide us a certain amount of ammunition every year. But once again, on the issue of gun control, Canada has largely left out First Nations from having any say. Yet, First Nations are the ones that should be directly involved. One, because they are disproportionate victims of gun violence. Two, because this is within their sovereign sphere of governance, and three, because they have these constitutionally protected rights to have firearms and ammunition. Now, Justin Trudeau campaigned on lots of promises when he became Prime Minister. He declared himself a feminist, he said he was committed to women's rights, 
He declared that there was no relationship more important than the one with Indigenous peoples. And he also promised to keep Canadians safe from gun violence by addressing former Conservative Prime Minister Stephen Harper's weakening of gun laws. So, the Liberal government has introduced Bill C-71, an act to amend certain acts and regulations in relation to firearms. It was supposed to be a substantive improvement, but it is fell short of what most Canadians wanted and most Canadians need. The gun lobby was relentless throughout, and as a result, it's unlikely that Canadians will see any action on banning handguns and assault weapons, even if they do pass this very weak legislation. And instead of doing a gender-based analysis, and an Indigenous rights-based analysis, and a human rights-based analysis on this gun bill, on the issue of gun violence, they went ahead and moved with a piece of legislation that won't do the bare minimum to protect Canadians and First Nations, and especially women. Instead, they've talked about this issue as if it was gender neutral and race neutral. But we all know, and the statistics confirm, that women in Canada represent a higher proportion of victims of gun violence than their perpetrators. We all know the crisis of murder to missing Indigenous women and girls is perpetuated by those who use guns for violence. It is in no way a gender neutral issue, nor is it gender neutral for the government to worry more about the interests of the largely male gun lobby and the concerns of the rural male farmers than the voices of women, especially Indigenous women and girls. The crisis of murdered and missing, traded and exploited, abused Indigenous women and girls is facilitated in part by violent men often using guns, including those involved in human trafficking, the child porn trade, and some who are involved in domestic violence. Yet, the voices of Indigenous women were largely excluded from this conversation on gun control. But we know from the statistics that Indigenous peoples in both Canada and the United States have long been disproportionate victims of gun violence. Sadly, white supremacists are well aware of the weaknesses in Canada's gun laws. And the rise of white nationalists has happened so quickly that governments don't seem to have a handle on, a, on an issue that's presents a serious threat to both public safety and national security. The rise of the white nationalist movement is often referred to as the populist movement because it seems less threatening then, it seems more socially acceptable. But what we're talking about really are extremists, really fringe, far-right people who may have at one point been conservatives but are so far on the extreme level that they are taking more and more radical positions that are blatantly racist, sexist, anti-human rights, and often aligning themselves with the gun lobby. We all know as well that through his own words and actions, U.S. President Donald Trump has further exacerbated the situation by creating a space for those consumed with hatred, racism, and sexism to both share their views and act on them in a much more open and brazen fashion. From the Trump spark of hate, it created a wildfire on social media with literally lightning speed, far faster than either social media platforms or politicians could keep up with. 
and perhaps emboldened by Trump, the friends, colleagues, and affiliates of white nationalists are being elected as political leaders, hired within universities, and are in the background agitating as pro-pipeliners, pro-choice, pro-gun, anti-immigration, and anti-indigenous. While not all gun owners have links to extremists, Canada needs to keep pace with the threats before it is overtaken by it. And firearms are often used in hate crimes against racialized and other identifiable groups. One of the websites urged its followers and its audience to kill Aboriginal people, kill black people, and kill others. While we should never elevate these groups, give them a platform, or share their message in any way, that doesn't mean that law enforcement should ignore them, or that government should fail to take them into account. The murders of six and the injury of 19 Muslims at the Islamic Muslim Cultural Center in Quebec City is just one example of what happens when those who have hatred in their hearts have easy access to guns. We can also never forget that it was the mass shooting of 14 women at Ecole Polytechnique in Montreal that actually pushed the gun control conversation back on the agenda. We also have seen First Nations people specifically targeted for violence by white nationalists. Leo Lachance was a Cree man from Whitefish Reserve. He was shot and killed by a white supremacist in Prince Albert in 1991. And that white supremacist was a member of the KKK, and he was the leader of his local Aryan Nation group, who got off easy with a plea bargain because he claimed a misfire. Not only was this case a gross miscarriage of justice, it wasn't isolated. And if his defense of claiming a misfire sounded familiar, well, you would be right. We can't forget about the white farmer Gerald Stanley, who shot and killed Colton Bushy, a young native person, at point-blank range. And then he too was freed after he claimed a misfire. Equally concerning is the response to Gerald Stanley's being set free. There is growing evidence of rural Canadians arming themselves under the name of so-called self-protection. Many farmers spoke out on social media and in uh, public in general, threatening, quote, we have guns, we carry guns, and we want the criminals to know it, end quote. They also professed that they wanted to take the laws into their own hands and administer their own justice. Non-Native peoples have been getting away with killing Native peoples for decades, and that includes the police. By far, police shoot and kill more Native people than any other group in Canada. Yet, very few police have ever been convicted. And the CBC did an investigative report called Deadly Force, which found that less than a fraction of a percent of police have ever been convicted for killing all of these people. Yet, ever since the Stanley case, rural farmers continue to threaten to arm themselves and take matters into their own hands. But we only have to look south of the border to what's happening in the United States to see what happens when arming yourself for self-protection leads to massive violence, like the mass school shootings or the civilian shootings of unarmed black and indigenous peoples. It also leads to increases in gun violence. We also have to keep in mind that far-right extremist hate groups can be found all over Canada. They are not just in isolated pockets 
right-wing extremist hate groups are prevalent across Canada. And while some of their groups are small, it only takes one man armed with semi-automatic rifles and a hatred for native people or a hatred for women to hurt or even kill a large number of people. These hate groups, white supremacists, white nationalists, KKK, neo-Nazis, skinheads, and a whole list of other extremist groups are well known to law enforcement as serious threats. Yet North American law enforcement initiatives designed to look at extremists or terrorists have tended to focus on specific communities like Muslims instead of ignoring the much greater threat of white nationalism. The Canadian Security and Intelligence Agency, CSIS, has suggested that right-wing extremists pose a serious threat. In 2018, it was reported by the Toronto Star that there has been a dramatic rise in the number of white nationalist and right-wing extremist groups operating in Canada over the last three years, causing both police and security agencies to reassess the degree of the threat that the movement possesses. Canada's right-wing extremist movement includes even anti-government sovereigntists and pro-militia crusaders. They all have at their core white supremacy and hatred. There are at least a hundred right-wing extremist groups that have been active in recent years. While they're concentrated in Quebec, Western Ontario, Alberta, and BC, they can be found all over Canada. The analysis conducted of these groups by researchers shows the prevalence of hatred against First Nations. And that's the reason for my podcast today. The one group that is common to all right-wing extremist groups in terms of who they want to target are Indigenous peoples. Knowing that this is the case and knowing that the threat is growing, Canada should be engaging with First Nations and Indigenous women's groups to address the threat allowing these hate groups who condone lethal violence to arm themselves relatively easily with handguns and military-style assault rifles represents a significant public safety threat. And in order to ensure that Canadians are kept safe from guns, and also to reduce the trafficking of guns to extremist non-state actors, we need strong and effective controls over firearms, ensuring that processes for issuing firearm licenses and regulating the sales of firearms are critical to preventing people who present a risk to themselves and to others from getting access to firearms. Additionally, restricting access to handguns and military assault weapons, which are particularly dangerous because of their concealability on one hand and their firepower on the other, is also critically important. There are a lot of improvements that could be made to Bill C-71, but there are some core recommendations that I would make. One, I think they should expand the criteria that's used to determine the risk factors of whether someone should own a gun in the first place. I don't think people should be allowed to stockpile military weapons or weapons of war. I think there should be a complete ban on handguns and military assault weapons. And I think First Nations and First Nation women groups need to be involved as active decision makers on gun control in this country to ensure their safety and address the specific risks against our communities. 
and also to ensure the protection of our treaty rights. This is both a feminist issue and an indigenous issue. And to treat gun control as though it were sex neutral or race neutral further perpetuates the risk to women and indigenous peoples. Bill C-71, this legislation is exactly the kind that should have had a gender-based and indigenous rights-based analysis. Canada can do better and it should have done better. Nothing is more frustrating than hearing political commentators argue over and over that the RCMP are justified in arming themselves with semi-automatic carbine rifles so that they can outgun the bad guys. When it's Canada who has allowed the so-called bad guys to have these guns. The problem isn't giving more guns to the RCMP, it's giving less guns to gangs and criminals and white supremacists and anybody else who represents a risk to Canadians, First Nations, and women in particular. Weapons of war, like military assault rifles, have no place in Canada. If Trudeau is the feminist he professes to be, he needs to act on gun control in a way that addresses the realities of 2019 and actually protects Canadians, First Nations, and women in particular from the rising threat of the hatred and violence associated with white nationalism. And this isn't meant to worry anybody. Actually, I actually got the idea for this podcast from my son who was concerned about the rise of white nationalism. And like I told him, although we should be vigilant and survey all of the threats in our territory so that we can be prepared, we have to remember that white nationalism and hatred is based on weakness and cowardice, whereas native people are full of strength and resilience and they're grounded in their culture and traditions and we have our ancestors walking alongside of us. So ultimately, we have survived everything that white supremacy has thrown against us and we will survive this too. I'm just saying that we should be vigilant about it. I hope that you all found the value in this discussion. I know it's a bit heavy. But I think we need to stay informed about the threats that are in our territories and make it known that we care about the safety of our peoples and our treaty partners. Thanks once again for all of you turning into my show. I really appreciate all of the comments and the critical feedback about what you would like to hear. I'll post some of the links in the description box about some of the studies that I referred to in this podcast so you can read them and get more information. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing, liking, and sharing each episode. While I'm currently hosted on SoundCloud, you can also access and download my podcast from iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Till next time, keep living a warrior life. Walalia. Walalia.